Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 10 now. We're officially at double digits, boys. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, good for us. Good for us. Thanks to everybody who's listened so far. Thanks to everyone uh, who's going to listen. We are broadcasting, recording from the Minger True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I am your host, Eric Fisher, the producer of the Man on the Ones and Twos. Joined in person once again by Ramsey Thompson. How's it going, guys? And Justin Dahl doing the dad thing, staying at home. Do it. Do it. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know what? I, I'm starting to get on your guys' bandwagon here. Eric, you pulled a little fast one on me tonight. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm going to partly put this one on you. I didn't. Th- I thought it was going to be a, too, too late of a night for me to get up at uh, 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, so... Okay, so first some context for our listeners. I my day job has required me to work some overtime. So I gotta put those hours in. Was supposed to work till six thirty, got released early at six, so still an hour and a half of overtime. But got done a little bit earlier than we expected to, so Justin decided he was gonna do the quote unquote responsible thing and stay home. So I I guess I'll take the hit on that one. I'm still gonna boo. Yeah, me too. Boo. <laughs> I figure, I figure you guys are a bunch of doll haters anyway, so. Ramsey, you got anything for It's all right. I'm not a doll hater. I'm just on the side of Team Deer. (laughs) Deers. Team Deers. (laughs) Team Deers. All the way. So, before we get into the episode, we got to talk a little bit about something. Uh, We won some money on our picks last week. We we, uh, came out two for three on our Daytona 500 picks, so that being... Nice. Courtesy of Monkey Knife Fight, one of our partners in crime here. Monkey Knife Fight, they're trying to help you through this COVID recession. And if you listen to our picks, we can put money in your pocket. Simply go to our Facebook page. We have a couple different links out there uh, for Monkey Knife Fight contest. You sign up, they'll match your first deposit up to $50. So you put $50 in, they'll give you $50 as well. An additional $5 game just for signing up with our code. Helps us out. Help yourself out. Earn some money. Put some money in your pocket. That's monkeyknifefight.com. I went uh, one for two. Yeah, let's go. And made a little bit of cash. There you go. There you go. I money on... Uh, I made money on the... Brad Keselowski... Or Joy Logano, Kyle Busch. There you go. Under on both. And I think I won some money. There you go. So, monkeyknifefight.com, on the Root for Wisconsin Facebook page, check it out, monkeyknifefight.com, contest, use our link, sign up, give, let them give you money. To help you through the recession. Help you through these tough times, these unprecedented times. Yep. Put We're some, all in uh, this together. Maybe put some ice cold PBR on your table. Yeah. I mean, is there any other, the, uh, the COVID cliches? We're all in this together, unprecedented time. Oh, we got everything there? Mm. Yes. Stay healthy, wash your hands. And your butts. And your butts. Devontae Adams. Justin, you got, any, you got anything I add? Uh, any other cliches here? No, I think this whole thing should uh, should end with uh, wash your hands, wash your butt. Yeah, I'm good with that. I'm All good right. with that. So, <laughs> as we always start off every episode with, we are going to talk about what we had rooted for. Actually, before we do that, I just want to get an update here. Justin, on the uh, the baby girl name, have we had a winner yet? No, no, we have not. We've been 
very close. Uh, we've had a, a one contestant got uh, the old name before my wife changed it. She got Ooh. the old name correct. And she had changed it uh, about three weeks prior to uh, uh, us finding out it was a girl. So very close. Uh, I think we're at the point now that we we have the first name um, pretty much figured out. Okay. It is, uh, you know, I think I can, I'm not breaking any news by, by uh, saying that it's Josie. What? So, yes. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. It is, it is Josie. So we have a first name. name. So we now got to have the middle name figured out. We we have to have we have to have that second J. Okay. And uh, there have been some good guesses, and this is where it's going to get uh, a little tougher for our contestants. But uh, I wish you all the best of luck. So as we keep going, are we going to open this back up? You can make multiple guesses again. That's something yes. we didn't really clarify, guys. So we had multiple guesses from one person. We had, um, you know, people asking if they can have multiple guesses. The answer is yes. Multiple guesses yes, are encouraged. Figure out that answer. Win some of Justin's money. And I think we might have a second contest opportunity for that about if you can guess the uh, the weight and length or the due date. or so. I think we can figure out something oh. later down the road, but we'll touch base on that probably as See, it gets closer. I really wish you would have let me do a, the giveaway of the middle name. Like, we'll give away. You decide the middle name if you win said contest. I wish we would have done that too, but you know, Justin and his wife, they you know, they gotta if make it, that say. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, know I don't wish I, that because I'm gonna have to live with that. <laughs> so no, I don't within, within reason. It has to be approved by uh, Mrs. Dahl. We're all in this together, Justin. This is not just your choice anymore. Can this is you, not just your yeah, child. Can you do two you're, middle you're, names? And a second middle name we get to give away on the show? <laughs> you can do like like you know, like in the name in 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 any kind of person's name where where a letter is silent, we could do like a silent second middle name. We give it away on the show. Can we? Do, is that something we can do? I I don't think we can do a second silent name. I think it has uh, to appear in the birth certificate. Otherwise, uh, what's the no. point? <laughs> no, a second silent middle name definitely not going on the birth certificate. It's just it's going to be out in the airwaves. So, how about I mean, you talk to Mrs. Doll? Know how about you talk to Mrs. Doll about this and just see? Just yeah, see just, she, just hear us out. Hear yeah, us just out. like let her know. Hey, Ramsey and Eric want to do a giveaway of a silent middle name that has to be on the birth certificate. We don't have to use it. Yeah, I know. Uh, just, just throw it out yeah, there. If she know. says no, let me, let me, let me. You know, I'll, I'll run it across. I'll run it across the boss. See what she says. Uh, That's all I, I ask. Pretty yeah. much tell. That they're, you know, I'll give, I'll give it like a 5% chance. If she needs some persuasion, I will talk to her personally. Oh, we'll both persuasion. talk to her personally. See, yeah. now, if we're talking about silent middle names, persuasion is my silent middle name. I'm just, just telling you. With these swivel hips doll over here, I got persuasion written all over me. That's all I'm saying. I love how we keep referencing this and nobody has any idea what we're talking about yet. Because <laughs> we haven't oh. done the Snow Day episode. Oh, well, whatever. It might Fast not ever release. It, it literally might. No one might ever know. We just have this 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 inside joke that no one's ever going to know. It was something that just got concocted in the studio. 
I've got moves. That's all. That's all they need to know. I've got the moves. Okay. No, that's okay. So, like I said, I think we can figure some stuff out later down the road. Uh, but keep guessing on Facebook. People are close. We got the first name of Josie. So uh-huh. we'll, we'll go from there. So keep guessing that middle name. So back into uh, the what we usually start off the episode with here, besides our usual nonsense <laughs> and tomfoolery. We start off every episode with what we had rooted for. And I know last week we kind of wrapped up the show with, you know, we always finish the show by what we're rooting for the coming weekend. And that's usually what we kind of refer back to. I'm going to take a little bit of a detour, something that didn't quite make the episode last week. And what I had rooted for was that fan control football league, the FCF. Ooh. And JM2, Johnny Money Signs, making his football comeback and looking pretty damn good doing so. Money Manziel. Money Manziel back on the football field. dimes. Throwing dimes, spinning in circles, putting defender, shaking them out of their shoes. Almost went for six on his first ever play. His first ever snap in this new league. Almost takes it the length of the field for six. So it's something kind of cool uh, going on on Saturday nights uh, on Twitch through the Fan Control Football League. They've got all sorts of different investors in it. I think like uh, Richard Sherman's got a team. Uh, Marshawn Lynch is involved. I think Quavo's involved too. Um, Bob Menery, the the uh, social media comedian, he's involved in it. A lot of different names. The founder of Bleacher Reports involved got a stake. So, a lot of different people in in on this. And uh, the cool thing is, so if you download their app, you can be involved in like team decisions. You can like help call plays during the game. They like they run the plays that you're calling. And it's at like a fifty yard field, so it's kind of like an arena style field. Just it's so different. That sounds like a terrible idea. Like the last thing I want is like Joe Sixpack calling fucking plays for me. Well, you get rated on what you're playing though too. So if you're just being stupid, you get rated. Your opinion means less and less and less. I I don't care. I don't want. I I don't want to have to listen to armchair quarterback telling me to run hell mary on. I think line. they give you like three options, and like you oh, choose between those three. So. I think I haven't gotten a chance to really check it out a whole lot yet. No, I don't. I don't but Jam Two taking over social media on Saturday night was he? he but it's trending, right? Yeah, he was big time trending. Yeah, no, it was all over the internet. Jam Two fan control football league. So, I'm, as people who know us, Rams and I, big Jam Two Johnny Manziel guys, huge, the huge money man, money Manziel guy, Hail Manziel, money signs, throwing dimes and money signs. So good to see him back he's on the no, field. He's no Baker Mayfield. That's all I'll say. Oh my God! Speaking of Baker Mayfield, <laughs> we, he's didn't, a man. we didn't mention him he's last man. week though. Good for us. I did. I did mentioned you? him. I stuck it in. I don't think you did. No, that was a week before. Week before you managed to sneak it in. Last week there was no. I listened. Are you sure? There was no Baker Mayfield reference last week. Oh. Well, Baker sure Mayfield's trash and is going to be the most overpaid quarterback in the league. No. Oh, nope. shit. I gotta work on like that cough, you know. Yeah. Really, <clears throat> really gotta work through that. Maybe see a doctor about that. But... Yeah. About oh, how bad well. Baker Mayfield is. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. So we got the the Baker Mayfield reference in here at about the eleven minute mark, twelve minute mark. So good on you, Ramsey. Nah. Didn't get it last Not week bad. though. Nah. So uh, you know, but good good for you. Shrunk some growth. I have nine, nine for ten now. Nine for ten. That's, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. That's 90%. That's pretty good rate. So just I'll give no Justin Ramsey. I don't know which one you guys want to go first. I mean, assuming Ramsey and you guys. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Ramsey go first on this one. I think I have a feeling I might might have something that he's gonna touch on. So all right, I was rooting for the Daytona 500. 
Yeah. Huge NASCAR house. I was upset because it was a, what, six-hour rain delay? Something like that. But we got the race in on Sunday night. Big win from Michael McDowell. Love seeing the little guy kind of come through big in the biggest moment of the sport. And he, if you guys didn't watch the race, so I, I'm guessing some of you guys didn't, but I know you guys did, but yeah. listen to the audience, I'm sure you guys didn't all necessarily watch the Daytona 100. Anyways, Michael McDowell, small team, um, has been in NASCAR forever. Yeah. And just been kind of the back of the pack guy, kind of just squeaking by year by year. Raced an incredible race in the 500, was up towards the front for most of the night. Well, he's one of those guys that always sticks around in the 500. Like, these super speedway races yeah. are the great equalizer. Like, it doesn't matter, necessarily matter what equipment you're in. It helps. He was 100 to 1. So, I mean, yeah. that's that's long odds, but that's not terrible, all things considered. Like, no, right. He was probably towards the middle of the pack in the odds category. So, anyways, raced a great race, was up towards the front of the race all night was making moves and just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And it worked out for him. Big payday. Got the big trophy. He's been carrying that thing around everywhere on Instagram lately. So I, I just want to say, you know, NASCAR fan myself, a couple things. One, it's kind of getting annoying, though, when every single year there's like a long rain delay in the Daytona 500. Yes. Just because of how it falls. So... I don't know if you guys were paying attention to the NASCAR social media over the week. We knew it was going to get rain delayed on Wednesday because NASCAR wanted to have the, what is it, the 2 o'clock start? Yeah. 2 o'clock Eastern? Thereabouts, yeah. So everyone on social media was calling for them to pull that race forward to noon. Like, there were people making t-shirts about it and saying, hey, we need to make this thing at noon. Yep. So I listened to one of... uh, I, the name is escaping right now, but I, there's a guy on YouTube that I listened to that he said for Florida, especially for the 500 and the uh, Coke Zero 400 in July. Yep. Which I think is now September. I'm sorry. Anyways, the the fall race at Daytona should have a noon start. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about Noonies that. Coke. Like, I get from the, like, conspiracy theory, or it's not even really much of a conspiracy, but. The idea is that they know there's going to be like a little bit of a delay, but that way they can get their primetime finish. I get that. But just, like I said, it's just kind of getting to a point where every year, where the bigger story that came out of the race wasn't McDowell winning, it's the fact that the guys were going to fast food restaurants during the delay. Which, great, hilarious story, by the way. Well, I mean, it was a six and a half hour delay. I watched the entire delay. Like, I was just waiting for this race to come back on or waiting for them to cancel it and... That's how it was last year, though, too. Last year was a... I they had know, to race on Monday. They yeah. finished on Monday. Yeah, they did. No, yep, you're right. They did. And I think the year before that was delayed, too. I it seems three years like almost Rona. every year, though, like just recent memory, of course, recency bias aside, but it just seems like every year this is kind of becoming a thing. When, like you said, you know by probably about Wednesday or Thursday what the weather pattern is going to be, yep. relatively speaking. Like, it's always unpredictable in the grand scheme of things, but... You have an idea. Relatively speaking, like you can, you could make the move to move that up to say a noon, or like a even like a one o'clock. At least get half of it in. So well, get the race in before. Yeah, because it didn't end until. It had to have ended around eleven o'clock central, 11 midnight. so midnight. Yeah, it was a it was a long night. That's for sure. Did you did you watch the whole race to the end, Ramsey? I did. 
I, I did not. I fell asleep probably about twenty. You know, I was. I did. I did. Yeah. I have not missed a day twenty five hundred since I can remember. I've seen every single one. Wow. So I, I was like, I'm not. I'm not gonna miss this one just because it's a little late. You know. I I was intending to stay up. I had it on TV, and just next thing I knew was I was out and I woke up like two or three in the morning and my TV's still on Fox and it's got some infomercial. I'm like, huh. Who won the race? Looked at my phone. Oh, nice. Watch the finish, like the last lap caution, and uh, call it a night. So you guys got me beat on that, I guess. But uh, that's yeah. just how I experienced the 500. Which, by the way, I just want to before we get too much further, just kind of keeping on topic here. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that a, is there a new rule with that yellow flag with the checkered flag? Because I thought they once they had the white flag, they still race to the finish. Then no, it's when the yellow comes when out, the yellow comes out. Is that relatively new, though? Like, I could have sworn, no. for the longest time. No. It's been that way for... Or is it just because the wreck was so, so much earlier? They hit the white They hit the white flag, so whatever flag right. comes out... Right, I understand that. So they used to race to... There was a line on the backstretch. Right. After that, because it kind of got a little... I don't know, people were like, eh, it's all right. Yeah. So after that, they switched to green, white, checkered, right? I, they, I know all this. I know that. all this. I'm just saying, like, I could swear that, like, it once, because it, it always seemed like it was probably, it's always probably just top of mind thing. Because usually, and especially at the 500, because there's always going to be the wreck on the last so lap. So sometimes they don't throw the flag. Sometimes yeah. they don't throw okay. the yellow. Even though, so if they wreck yeah. behind the leader, right. sometimes they let them race. Okay. So that's probably what you're thinking of. That, that was a pretty problem. nasty record. Right. And that's so they because I was thinking even like last year with Ryan Newman, where you know, we all know what happened with you know with Ryan Newman himself, but he was the leader. He wrecks. They didn't throw the flag, and it was a race to the finish. It was really, literally photo finish. So just my memory of that kind of clouding that I'm guessing. Yeah, like I said, sometimes they don't throw it right away. Sometimes yeah. they let them race to the end and. Yeah, and I'm guessing because it was because it was in turn three, it wasn't turn four. It was you know early enough in turn three where you kind of had to. So I get that. Like I said, I'm thinking it was just a combination of stuff like that. I don't even know if it changes the outcome though. No, McDowell was in a really good position there. McDowell won at the line too. Well, I think Elliott lined up pretty good though. Yeah. But regardless, I think Michael McDowell is still probably in a really good position. Well, I'm just like I said, I just want to make sure that this wasn't like something like brand new. But like you said, now like yeah, they don't they just don't usually throw it. They just throw the checkers. So. Sometimes it's like yeah. a fifty fifty thing. Yeah, but recent memory, yeah. at least for the five hundred, yeah. usually they let them race up. Let okay. them race okay. them. All right, Justin, what do you got? Yeah, mine was uh, mine was uh, I rooted for Michael McDowell. I mean, just a guy that has ground was just grinding through a career. He uh, he races for Front Row Motorsports. So, um, just a, a, a small little team that uh, he has kind of become their mainstay driver uh, over the last, I don't know, five years maybe with Love's Travel Stop as, as his uh, sponsor and just uh, just one of those huge, huge wins for a small team that could really, uh, really boost them because he's almost certain to uh, – you know what? What people miss out of this is that he's going to make the playoffs now. He just took a he just took a spot from person on the bubble. Which, um, so speaking about that, I hate that. Which is huge. System. Yeah. 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 Oh no, 
no doubt, but it, you know, it is, it, it is what it is. And it, I hate the charter system period. And, and to me, when you're going plate racing, any car that shows up should, should race. I mean, I, I understand that. I love that it's idea. About, yeah. yeah. About, about money, but you had 44, 45, maybe 46 cars that showed up. And, and now, you know, 40 of them got in and then, you know, I don't understand why those six other cars had to go home on a track that's two and a half miles or 2.6 miles. Yeah. You know, so, but, you know, as far as what I rooted for, Michael McDowell, who has one of the most horrific crashes that, that a person could ever see, uh, to our fans, if you, if you want to see a hell of a crash. Uh, you just you just go on the on the Google and and search Mike McDowell at uh, Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, I don't remember how many times he flipped his car, but I I think it was like seven was or nasty. eight. It was not good. It was. It's one of the most horrific crashes that anybody's ever walked away from. So, uh, just just one of the true good guys, um, that is really just kind of put together a, a, a quietly good career. I think that's his first win in like three over like almost 390 starts or something like that. So uh, talk about a guy that deserves it. Um, he, he's one of them. And uh, I think there's a lot of people in the NASCAR community that were really happy that he, that he got that. Yeah. Justin, you want to go back to back? What's there? Tyler here. No good of the week. Go from the positive to the negative. Well, my time, my time, it's kind of a, a season long noogie of the week. I, I don't understand, uh, and it's going to go out to to one of my guys, and I love this guy. I, I, I always thought he was going to be a great coach. Um, but Steve Wojciechowski and how how he hasn't gotten it going as, uh, as well as most would have thought now, and he's got to be in year six or year seven there. Um, and, you know, they just won. I just watched them beat a bad Butler team. That's seven and 12 now. Um, but they're 10 and 12 and they, they have recruited at a high level. Um, they're a, just a pure basketball school with no other real competing sports, um, within their, within their school. Um, they, they sink a ton of, uh, resources into those programs and I just don't uh, I don't understand why he hasn't gotten it together because he was a, a quality assistant coach um, and he's kind of fallen under that tree of uh, of assistant coaches for coach K that hasn't that haven't really panned out uh, as head coaches um, so I'm throwing him under the bus because you know he's got a great basketball program and he just needs to Start winning some goddamn games. Yeah. By the way, you're six now because he was, he became the new head coach when um when Sandy Cohen, who was our Rams in my grade, when he was going okay. to Marquette, and he was initially a Buzz Williams commit, and he tried to get out of his commitment to Marquette, and Woj went the school and Woj went release him before he ended up ultimately transferring to Green Bay, finishing his career with the Phoenix. Um, but yeah, Sandy Cohen, Ramsey, and I were all the same class. So I remember that very vividly, finding that out they were, uh, Buzz Williams was leaving for Virginia Tech and then Wojo was going to be the guy, or Wojo, I should say. 
and and you know it's just it just speaks to how good of a coach Buzz Williams was and Tom Green was to to really win relatively big at at Marquette and and so I mean I I don't get why he's not why he doesn't have it going there and yeah and you know nothing really, against really needs what, to turn around nothing against what the Big East has become but like the Big East was so much harder back when those guys were winning too like yeah. you had. That was when Syracuse was in there, and there was two national championship teams with Syracuse. Granted, the second one was when they were in the AAC, wasn't it? The Kemba one was Big East, but I'm pretty sure that was after the conference split was the second one. Either way, you had Syracuse, Alan. you had UConn, yeah. you had so many other teams. Like A lot of what became the AAC, Cincinnati was in that conference. You had some good mm-hmm. basketball. Cincinnati? The Bearcats, Ramsey. The team that you hated. You mean uh, one of the football. most the most overrated football team this year, this past year. Yeah, sure. That couldn't beat oh. Georgia. Sure. <laughs> oh, shit, dude, that cough, man, is just nasty. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> You're on one tonight, there, Ramsey. A little bit. You got her. You got her going. How many of them PBRs have you had already? Only two there, bud. None since I've been here. Oh, I had so. two at dinner. Okay, there were sixteen ounces though. Yeah. That's right. Oh, okay. That's three and... tall boys. Yeah, tall boys. Is he's what had a couple. He's he's good counts. though. He's on his game. Ramsey... Hey, how about that? How about them storms down south that are you know, yeah, I just think wrecked? That it. deserves a nookie in itself. I'm not going to do that for my nookie of the week, but yeah, that I'll give that a nookie of the week. Just how yeah, everything going on. I, you know, prayers go out, thoughts and prayers out to the people of Texas and southern yeah. United States. But people of Texas should be better. Jesus. What? Jesus. Find I'm not win. touching that one. I'm not touching that Find one. Find a winner, Jack. No, not touching that one. There's so many. Ramsey, just go to your nugget of the week. My nugget of the week is NASCAR. Now, NASCAR, I think, did a wonderful job with the Daytona 500. However, I'm going to go back to it. There is a certain driver that just announced that she got a Xfinity deal okay. this past week. And I'm not going to say what it is because whatever. But. There is a guy like Ty Majeski. I know I've hit on this many times before. Yep. It is an absolute just Travesty. Un- unacceptable travesty that Ty Majeski does not have a main stage NASCAR ride. And that people are getting these rides due to there's a number of reasons why certain individuals are getting rides in NASCAR right now. And talent is not necessarily why this is happening. And if NASCAR ever wants to become what it was again, they need to figure out how to get the best drivers in cars, which I think they're trying to do with the new car coming next year. But the fact that Ty Majeski is not running a main three NASCAR series right now, yeah, and there are some drivers that are running two or three different series, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous, and NASCAR, you need to fix that because you say you have the best drivers in the world right now, but there's a few of them that are in the super late mile circuit right now that don't have rides that deserve it way more than some of these other people, and you make it almost too expensive for really talented drivers to make it to your main well, stage. Think about McDowell. I mean, like we said earlier, he's been racing for how many years now in the Cup Series and won his first race, which... And he's overachieved for most of his career. Yeah. Right? I mean, he's been in subpar equipment, and he's not yes. necessarily been... 
He he's in bottom tier equipment and he's racing above what the equipment is. Oh, he's definitely. Had, there's been some top tens that he's had, and there's been some you know top twenties that he's had, which people say, mm-hmm. oh, there's only forty cars, but. You still, front, row, front row has slowly gotten better. Yeah, and they, and he's been at kind of the forefront of that. And yep, there yep. there are certain drivers that are in the series right now who are in A quality rides. For again, there's there's a list of what three or four reasons. I'm not going to get into it today because I don't want to come off that way. But there is there are some drivers that are currently in the series that do not deserve the rides that they are in. And they are in the ride for one of the three or four reasons that we're not going to get into today. But you don't actually have the most talented drivers. There are some wing sprint car drivers that are not, never have opportunities because they don't bring the funding or whatever other reason they choose to say. So NASCAR, be better. Make sure that you get that squared away. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in real quick on that. I don't know if you saw this, Ramsey, in the Xfinity race. Uh, a, the guy named Josh Berry. Did you see him? He, he's, a, he's, a late, he's a late model guy that runs for Junior Motorsports. He's like 30, 30 yeah, yep. maybe 32. And he, like he wrecked out he right towards the end, right? He, he was gonna have a hell of a, a finish. He was he, a, he was right there at the end. And I'm, man, he had a winning car just, too. I mean, I I do yeah, know you're talking about. He had a car that could have won that race. He got dumped right towards yeah, the end. But. I, I just chimed in with him because he's one of those he's one of those guys that you're describing in Ty Majeski, uh, Josh Bear. He he's he's got a, a few limited op- opportunities in that car up until um, I think it's. Uh, June, when uh, the other guy that's going to fill in for him turns eighteen, um, so but he he yeah he was going to have one of them them terrific finishes and that's just a, it was heartbreaking to watch him crash out of that that by no fault of his yeah, own. So yeah, and while while we're talking about deals, just for a second for a little bit of breaking news here, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., who is a up and coming stud for the San Diego Padres. Just signed a 14-year, $340 million contract extension with the Padres. That's a lot of money. Can we tell us something, though? And one one reason I really can't get behind Major League Baseball, I have no idea who that is. Is that? Well, is that, is that reason is 14 years. Like, I don't even... I don't first even, off, that's like... That's like Financial suicide to sign a guy like that for four. I mean, think about how bad of a deal it was to have Ryan Braun sign an eight-year deal, and we're paying him twenty million dollars last year, which was outrageous. I mean, for a player of his caliber at that time. I don't really. So I mean, to 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 think that you're going to pay this guy that amount of money is for fourteen years is just crazy. Yeah, and I, of the baseball fan of the group of us, I think this is going to end up... I, I love Tatis Jr. I think he's good for baseball. He's one of the more marketable young stars that they have. He's only 22 years old. He, you're kind of seeing... A, if I showed you the commercial he's on, it's what the Power 24 Gatorade drink that they have yeah. going, going around now. He's in those commercials. He's going to be the cover athlete of MLB The Show 2021. 
if you saw him, you might recognize those commercials. You don't necessarily know what he's from. Like, you don't know him as a baseball player, per se. But that's the problem with MLB right now. No, I agree. We're, we're, we'll cover that probably sometime later. Okay. And I agree with you. I think baseball does a terrible job marketing their the worst. stars. They are the worst professional sports for marketing. Maybe hockey, but... Yeah, but I can point out Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, that's I don't true. know if I could point Mike Trout out in a crowd. That's crowd. That's fair. Right? I mean, that's all I'm saying. I can point out Sidney Crosby. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, just a huge contract just coming through here for one of, the, like I said, the budding young stars of baseball. So I just had to, to break that in here. My nugget of the week is going to be Packer fans as a whole. Woo! And Woo. I say this in the midst of J.J. Watch. <laughs> yeah, see what I did there? So... Would I love J.J. Watt to be a Packer? Absolutely. Is it technically financially feasible if they move some stuff around? It's within reason. That all said, this this buzz around Facebook, Twitter, just talking to people, I don't get it. In the sense that J.J. Watt is a 32-year-old player who is on... Not that he's a bad player. He's still you know former Defensive Player of the Year all-time great player at this point, given his stats, downside of his career, can't necessarily stay healthy, and you're kind of rooting more for a story than for an impact player. You're a team that's one win away from a Super Bowl game, you know, two wins away from being champions. He is an important piece of the team, or he could be an important piece, but he is not, he's a piece. He's not the solution. He's a portion of the solution, but for all this hype and all this like pomp and circumstance going around Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, you name it, social media, Packer fans are on it. They're talking about it. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like I said, I, is it reasonable? We'll see. Is it financially doable? We'll see. Would it be really cool to have him back Absol- or in the state of Wisconsin? Absolutely. I just, I know what's going to happen. I can already see the writing on the wall. He's going to go sign and say, if he signs with, like, say, Buffalo or Cleveland or anywhere else except Green Bay, even if he doesn't play or he plays, like, three or four games and that team wins the Super Bowl, there's enough casual fans out there who go say, well, the Packers should have signed him without, and it's just blindly looking at J.J. Watt as the Wisconsin guy from Pewaukee who went to play for the Badgers. They know the name, and it's just, I'm honestly kind of sick of it. I'm almost kind of hoping he goes elsewhere because I know what, like I said, if he doesn't sign here, they wouldn't, you know, if they contend for Super Bowl, it's going to be, well, we should sign him. Well, maybe. But I think we can all agree, like I said, he's on the downside of his career. If the money isn't right, let's just say, you know, maybe the money will be right. Maybe they can renegotiate some deals, make some stuff work. I, I just don't think it's the top priority as a free agent for him at this point in his career. And I, I don't want to see just Twitter, Facebook, State of Wisconsin as a whole implode on itself if he doesn't sign here. Because I, I don't think if he doesn't sign here, it's going to be like Reggie White signing or Charles Woodson signing. It's not going to have as big of an impact as those two guys. So I'm going to take a little bit different of a look on that. I think that the Packers have a few needs, and pass rush is definitely one. And say what you will with J.J. Watt, and he might be on the backside of his career, but he also doesn't have to be J.J. Watt of 2014 either. He just needs to be a solid pass rusher. 
needs to be. Remember Julius Peppers when he first came over here a few yeah. years ago? That's what needs to be. So as long as you were able to sign J.J. Watt for a relatively team-friendly deal, and I think at this point in his career, especially with how soft the free agent market's going to be this year, I don't, I don't hate the signing as long as we don't pay him. Or if we were to sign him, if we don't sign him for $30 million a year, like, we can't do that. But if he was willing to take a super team-friendly deal and come here, I think that's a great signing. Because I think Tampa Bay kind of showed you in the Super Bowl the most important part of their team was their pass rush. Oh, with, without a doubt. This is, this is not, like I said, that is probably the <clears throat> most pressing need of free agency and or the draft coming into this offseason. So I think, but I do think if you were able to... What's the most pressing I would probably say pass rush. I agree. Pass rush. You can cover up a lot of things maybe. on defense with a good pass rush. Yeah, you can. And really, I mean, J.J. Watt's a good enough defensive player where he's not limited against the run either. He's actually really good against yeah, the run. Yeah, so he he makes sense. But is he the most pressing need? I don't think so. Is he the most pressing free agent? I don't think so. I, I don't disagree with you. I do think, though, that, like I said, if he could get a team-friendly deal and he was willing to come here, even just have a leadership guy like J.J. Watt, let, he he was a great leader in Houston. He was. And l- let me just say this, though. I, I think this is ultimately my point here. If he wasn't from Wisconsin, if he was just a regular free agent, like say like when we had signs as Darius Smith or whatever, is there the same hype? I think it's 90%, yeah. Because if he was interested in still coming here. Okay, Let's that's say fair. he was from Texas. You have a former defensive player of the year that wants to come here and play with your franchise. And it's uh, somewhat of an item of need. And with where the salary cap's going to be this year, a lot of these veteran players are going to take less money to go places to go chase a ring. I mean, I I don't... I think, yeah, I think there's still hype. If he were... Yeah, there's there's still hype. I just don't think it's the same extent. And I, I'm, I don't... Ultimately, because I know, what, like I said, if he doesn't sign here, there's going to be so much heartbreak and so much whatever on Facebook, Twitter, whatever... That I don't think it's going to match. It wouldn't. It's kind of like when the Packers, you know, cut Jordy Nelson, and everybody in their, you know, everybody in their mind was losing their minds. I still think it was a bad cut, though. I I don't disagree, but I think at the time it had like, because it was basically Jordy Nelson for Jimmy Graham. That's what the essential thing had happened. That worked out real well. It didn't work out long term, but I think there was enough issue. Like I think there was like a big locker room thing at the time. With Jordan Nelson, I've said this other places, but there was something going on at the time where I think, and I love Jordan Nelson. I've met him multiple times. Good guy. Great, dude. I think something was going on in that locker room because he, that was the year that Aaron Rodgers had broke his collarbone the second time was his last year in Green Bay. He gave up on that team. Not saying I don't blame him because I probably would have too with Brett Hundley throwing the ball. Brett Hundley was throwing me the ball. But I think there was something more that we didn't see. So I gave the benefit of the doubt to the Packers front office. It's never easy to cut a you know fran- face of the franchise type guy like that. But if you look at like how the like the casual fan reacted, I don't think it necessarily made sense. See, I think I'm kind of done giving the Packers the benefit of the doubt and stuff. 
they've done nothing to deserve that at this point. No, I'm not saying I, I agree at this I'm just, point. I'm just so I, that's not but that was, directed at that, but I'm just saying in general. I think that was at the time that was their first real off season with the new administration last year. You know, it was before Mike McCarthy got fired. So at the time, for a new GM, not a good look, not a great you know fan winning move. But like I got it, it made business sense in the long scheme of things. Yeah, but you pissed off Aaron Rodgers though. Well, you pissed off a lot of people. I I mean I was upset about it at first, but like I said, the more and more I thought about it, and then you kind of watch what happened to him in Oak or yeah, it was Oakland at the time. It wasn't Las Vegas yet. What happened to him in Oakland? As that season went on, it ended up kind of being the right move, too. And I don't think people are ready to admit that yet. But are we sure that Jordy Nelson would have had, he would have had a better season in Green Bay than Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. He still had, like, 860 yards. All I'm saying, like I said, I just don't, I don't want that overreaction from Packer Nation as a whole to happen again. And I feel like that's where we're going. Well, I think at this point where the Packers are is just... Overreaction to everything, right? Yeah, w- without a doubt. And that's just kind of the point of where the franchise is, is that we've been good for 15 years now, but we haven't really won anything And outside of the Super Bowl in 2010. Yeah. And that's kind of, I think Packer fans as a whole deserve better than what they've been given. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Because they have been extremely patient. And really, for the most part, it's an unwavering loyalty to what Green Bay is doing. And I think that Green Bay has kind of a little bit of a the Midwestern mindset of we're going to have a 401k, we're going to be retire out, we're going to do this, instead of saying, hey, I'm going to spend a little bit on a sports car and go try to win a Super Bowl. They're really keeping people in the stands, which, and I understand that's part of it too, but you need to... At some point, you need to go for it. And I think J.J. Watt would be the first move to say, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go for it. But that's my point. It's it's the first move. Like, you still have more to do. It's not like a Reggie White. It's not ultimately even like a Charles Woodson. I, it's a piece of a puzzle that you have to com- complete. Yeah, and I'm okay, like I said, as long as it is a team-friendly deal. Yeah. that, that The deal has to be right. I mean, you cannot overpay for J.J. Watt if he wants to come here. Yeah. Justin? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess uh, they've been rumored, obviously, for a couple of, uh, veteran free agents. Uh, I think the other one that that answers one of the holes that, that you're talking about, they've been rumored in, in having interest in is uh, Richard Sherman, which would be huge. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of what you're going to pay those guys. I think, I think Richard Sherman kind of fits um, – deeper into the long-term aspect of what what the Packers want to do uh, because he's just flat out come, and, come out and said that, you know, I've got two years left. I, I'm, I'm doing this for two years. So he, he, can, he, can, he can be that lockdown corner opposite of Jair Alexander, but, but give the Packers time and uh, allow himself to uh, kind of mentor a young guy that can come in and and, uh, and fill those shoes when he's ready to step away. Um, it's not a long-term deal. They're not gonna. They're not gonna be in salary cap hell with him. Um, now, JJ, JJ's. You know, you you touched on it a lot. Is the the hometown flavor. Um, you know, Wisconsin loves their their own. Um, I mean, just look. 
Wisconsin, the Green Bay Packer fans love Ricky Wagner for Christ's sakes. And, you know, he's playing right tackle half the time for us. So, you know, I want JJ. I would love to have JJ. I'm not going to pay JJ $17 million a year. And that's to, my uh, point. I, like I said, I would love JJ just as a, you know, Wisconsin sports fan. I'd love to have him back. But the way that his contract I truly, is. I, I truly, I truly think now if you sign JJ, you make Kenny Clark an all pro. Like he is an all pro player because you got to remember now, as much as JJ's getting old at 32, long, a little long in the tooth, he's still the most double team defensive lineman in the game, him and Aaron Donald. They're still the most double teamed players in the game. So if you could draw a double team off of uh, Kenny Clark, I, I think uh, what a stud, stud defensive line you have. No, so, absolutely. I mean, I mean, it helps. It's a, like I said, big move. Because I'm just worried about the financials, and we'll hit on that in just a second. Actually, we'll, we can go right into yeah. that. So just to kind of go in with our, our thoughts here, uh, Packers announced this weekend that David Bakhtiari was restructuring his deal to free up cap space, and I think that's something you're going to see a lot of in the upcoming weeks here with a couple other guys. I, I would realistically see Aaron Rodgers probably being in a position to do so. I would be yeah. in a position probably – I think what you can do – with Devontae Adams, considering he's a free agent after the season, is you can restructure his deal, give him an extension while also moving some of his money around to be less of a cap hit. Yep. There's enough room that they can do. Plus, I mean, I think at this point it's kind of a given. Preston Smith out, Christian Kirksey out. You're saving roughly $14 million just in those two guys right there. Dean Lowry, another guy that could end up on his way out just to save some cap space and get under the cap because as of right now, they're about $22.6 million over. And I think if you move some of that money around, you make those cuts, as kind of shitty as it is, and I'm not sitting here rooting for somebody to be out of a job. But those guys should find a job too, I yeah. would all assume. Yeah, I'm not trying to take food off their, their tables or whatever, yeah. but it's just the nature of the business. However, if they did happen to lose their job, Monkey knife fight <laughs> is a wonderful opportunity <laughs> to make a little nice. bit of extra yeah, cash. Absolutely. In the meantime, in you're the right. In the meantime, in between the <laughs> point of, you know, they'll well match, done, Ramsey. Well they're done. They're going to match in and, you know, yeah. use our promo I'm telling, code. I'm telling you right now, what I think is really going to happen to a lot of guys um, throughout, throughout this free agency deal and, and how far the cap is going down, you're going to have a lot of guys that are going to be stuck deep in the free agency waiting for a job. And, and they're going to have to, you know, cause they're going to get cut, you know, obviously with the cap going down, teams are going to make a lot of cuts and these guys are going to be stuck deep in the free agency and they're going to have to go on one year, prove it or lose it deals. And they might just go back to the same team that cut them because of the system, you know, uh, there, I, I have a, I, I really, truly question whether a team is going to go out and pay ten to twelve or to fourteen million dollars for Corey Linsley. Uh, is a team going to go out and pay six million to eight million dollars for Jamal Williams? And and what about Kirksey? Maybe Kirksey comes back on a on a two million dollar deal. So I think that is 
that is a huge aspect of free agency that not a lot of people are really talking about is how deep we could get into free agency and there being a lot of studs left. And, and after the draft, them there being a lot of good free agents that are going to have to settle for prove it or lose it deals. You you're exactly right. And one other deal that I want to talk about, I didn't, I didn't realize the number would be this low. So we've had debates before about the Aaron Jones contract situation. The if they decide to franchise him, we've always kind of talked about that as a possible option, and just probably being a you know ended up being probably too much of a hit. The franchise tag for running back this year is only expected to be about eight point five million. I don't think that's a terrible option, and it's still at eight point five million more than you technically have right now. But if you can renegotiate some of those deals, and like you said, Justin, kind of, you know, make those verbal agreements like, okay, you know, take this one year, prove it or lose a deal, we'll pay you until the cap goes back up. I don't think that's a terrible move. I know Ramsey and I were kind of talking about this pre-show, but I think that's a, a move that makes a lot more sense than it initially did, probably about a month or two ago when we were sitting here talking about the first time. So I kind of go back on this, back and forth on this, and I I would be on team resigning Aaron Jones if it was a normal year. However, I don't necessarily know if Aaron Jones is the driving force or if it's the system that he's currently in that's the driving force. Remember, he's also running behind one of the best offensive lines in football. He is. He's also playing with one of the best quarterbacks in football. Yep. So I. And I say this as, and I, Aaron Jones, I hope he comes back. I love seeing Aaron Jones around. He seems like a great guy for the community. He seems like just a genuinely oh, he is. nice, I, great person. I can person. say on record that he is. So like, he's I, just that guy. I hope he does come back. So this is not me trying to hate on it. But I don't see $8 million in value over somebody else that you can get for a lot cheaper, either in the second or third round this year, that can do similar qualities or similar traits, especially with A.J. Dillon being there. I think A.J. Dillon is going to have a nice year next year. So I'll leave it. I'll leave, yeah, I'll leave it double down on that, Ramsey, and I'll think, I think you can turn around and get a guy in free agency, two big names of guys that you could get in free agency way deep down in, in the running back carousel or Leonard Fournette and Le'Veon Bell. Those guys aren't going to sign for even the $8 million a year. So, I mean, that's a risk-reward. I mean, they've obviously they've obviously decided this job is going to go to A.J. Dillon at some point here in the next year or two. So, I don't know. I don't know that it's feasibly responsible to sign Aaron Jones. Like I said, it, it makes financially more sense now knowing that number in mind. Because I know when we were kind of tossing that around, you know, we we're thinking about, okay, what's twelve? What's Dalvin Cook making? What's Christian McCaffrey making? What's yeah. this guy making? What's that guy making? Because the salary cap is based on the average of the top five running backs. So you have those guys there, I guess from four to five or three, you know, three to five, whatever the gap is, there must be such a huge drop with who's getting paid next just to make that about that $8.5 million. This is per... ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, who threw that number out. So I just want to say, you know, this is this is just where I saw the number. When I saw that today, yeah. I'm like, okay, that actually makes some sense. I, I don't think I was going to disagree with you on that. I just don't know with where the Packers are currently and some of the other needs that I think are bigger. Right. 
Because let's be honest, we had one of the best offenses in the entire league this past this past season, right? I think right. we'd all agree with that. If the offense took a slight step back, but the defense improved, it had a pretty big jump in improvement. I think that's more valuable today than resigning a running back. Like, I'd rather take that eight million, put it on the defensive side of the ball, and just have a stacked defense and try to go next year and have Aaron Rodgers. Maybe not have a, as good a statistical year, but I don't think there's gonna be that much of a drop off between AJ Dillon and or Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams or whoever else. I don't think there's an eight million dollar justification there. I don't disagree, but I think if you're gonna do that, like you said, like you guys both said. If you don't go that route, you need to get a guy who can do that, either in the draft yeah. or free agency. I think you need that Aaron Jones-type player. Would I love it to be Aaron Jones? Absolutely. I think we all would. And I think if you're going to bring Aaron Jones back, if he's going to be a Packer next year, it's going to either have to be on the most team-friendly deal long-term possible, or not long-term, but you know, three-, four-year deal possible, or the franchise tag is an option. And that's just, like I said, I just want to get that number out. I'm kind of excited about that being the number. Mm-hmm. It makes it more palatable. stomachable. Yeah, palatable. So that was something I saw really cool today. Um, you know, like we said, a lot of moves to be made yet, a lot of money to be reorganized. I think it's doable. I think I think the Packers are in good shape to run it back next year, though. Like it's it's be more doable if we can renegotiate some of those contracts. And you got to have the guys who want to do it too. So I know this wasn't on topic for tonight. However, I'm going to make a little bit of a, just a think about it. Yeah, go ahead. So, every year in the NFL, there are four teams that don't make the playoffs that were a playoff team the year before. Right. Could the Packers fall in that category? I mean, let's just say Bakhtiari's not back healthy right away in the beginning of the season. Right. We can't afford to bring Aaron Jones back. We have to cut a defensive player or two, and we don't really have the cap space to refill those positions. And our number one draft that doesn't hit, I think the Vikings are better next year. I think there's an outside possibility that the Bears get Carson Wentz. They're better next year. Is there, I mean, let's just throw in a hypothetical out there. Is there a possibility in the Packers aren't even a playoff team next year? Playoff team, no. Do they win? I, as the thing, thing sit right now, I think. They are in line for the NFC North title. Well, okay. As things that right now. So we're talking about the four teams, right? We know right. we know two of them right. that are going to be next year. I don't think New Orleans is going to be the playoff team next year. Yep. They're in cap hell. They don't really have anywhere to go. They're going to downgrade a quarterback. Right. Right. And I, w- I would almost say that Cleveland's probably another one. I think Cleveland's going to run up on the salary cap. And They've got a lot of room to play with that, though. They, they have room to play. I'm just saying I would... When you're a franchise that's been bad for 25 years and then all of a sudden you have a little bit of success, it tends not to replicate right away. So I'm not, I, that'd be my other pick out of, so my AFC pick would be the Browns, my NFC pick would be the Saints. Well, you also right? have to look, though, I mean, let, let's just kind of go with this a little bit further. The Bears were a playoff team this year. I, think, I don't think they make it back. I, I think there's that wiggle room in the NFC. Like I said, even if the Vikings, which I I don't see the path for them to get significantly better given their cap situation too, how many veterans they have on their roster, I don't see the path for them to get exponentially better. I don't see the Packers. I mean, yes, will they go 13-3 next year? Probably not. That's just the overwhelming odds. The overwhelming odds of going 13-3 three years in a row 
are low. That, that's just statistics. They could be a better team next year and go 11-5 and five than this 13-3 and three team this year. And they have a pretty brutal schedule next year. It's not great. It's not that bad, though, either. I mean, I'm not in front of me right now, but don't they? They they've, play a lot of good teams. They've got the year. AFC North, so they've got Cleveland, Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. So but I'm it's gonna, not a great arm. I'm going to tell you this, and I think this is where the NFL is going. You can't overpay a quarterback. Quarterback is probably the most, I don't want to say overrated position in the league because it's definitely not. Because if you get stuck with the Ryan Fitzpatrick's of the world, who you go 8-8 eight and eight with, or the Cam Newtons of the world that like New England was, that's probably the worst place to be where you don't really have your next quarterback in line. So you need to have that guy. But you also get you're successful if you're able to put pieces around a young quarterback. Right. And you hit on the Mitchell Trubisky thing. I would say the actual problem with the Mitchell Trubisky issue in Chicago isn't the fact that Mitchell Trubisky got drafted where he did. That's not what the problem was. The problem is that Chicago's been out on Trubisky for the last three years and haven't moved off of him. It's just like that ex-girlfriend that you have that you just stayed with her because, oh, we have history Wait, together. It wasn't that bad. We're we've been okay. through so much. That's what Mitchell Trubisky winning, is right now. It's that winning, winning quarterback that took his team to the playoffs. Yeah, but he's not. he's not what Patrick Mahomes is. Well, and so Arizona did it right. Arizona drafted Josh Rosen. Arizona realized, hey, we fucked up and went and drafted Kyler Murray, and now it looks like they have it right. So the NFL is getting impatient with quarterbacks through the fact that we have three or four quarterbacks coming out of draft that can play at the NFL level. We have probably, what, three this year? You're going to have three this year. Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to play. Justin Fields can play. And then take your pick of the next three between Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and Trey Lance. One of those three is going to hit. My money's on Trey Lance, by the way. I, I agree. I, Trey Lance out of North Dakota State, correct? He's yep. watch, Go watch his highlight film. It's, he's, he can ball. He's a stud. So just... I think I, I honestly think that Fields is going to be the biggest bust out of that whole group. Oh, I do too. Personally I agree. Speaking. Yeah. That okay. So you know, got a lot of this on mind. Uh, we wanted to hit a little bit on the Packers um, before we move on to the next topic here. Just, just to kind of go quick here. You know, one thing we want to start out and go through here in the next couple of weeks is some the grades of the Packers. So we'll go position groups as a whole, and a couple just to, like I said to make this over a couple of weeks. Uh, we have four to go over today. But it's really going to be kind of two different groups. We got quarterback group. We'll go kicker, punter, and long snapper. We'll go so quarterback special teams. Quarterback grade, I think, is easy enough. We had the MVP. That's an A. I disagree with that. Okay. Outside of Aaron Rodgers, we all love the laser show. But I don't know if I feel comfortable if Aaron were to go down that I feel comfortable with having Tim Boyle step in to try to win me three or four games. And at this point, Jordan Love, the book is still completely out on him. I don't think he would, you know. I I honestly don't think he would. So I think if if he were to go down for multiple weeks, I I think the laser show was there to get him through the rest of a game. If Aaron were to go down in a game and the laser show would be able to get them through a game, 
because he was able to garner the game plan that week and think like Aaron. If you're thinking about multiple weeks, I think they would have went to Love and, and garnered the game plan around Love. I don't disagree. Um, so I'll, I'll maybe rephrase what I wanted to do here. So we were just going to – I wanted to go on 2020 season. I, this argument still holds up should that have happened. And, you know, given who's on the roster, I think that's what we also want to look at here too. But just 2020 performance. So I still oh, yeah. think it's a B. You're drafting a first-round quarterback that didn't suit. I mean, I think Aaron's an A. Yeah. I think the other two are C pluses. Okay. So, uh, you know, but I don't, I don't think there's any team in the league that's over what we are. I think probably a B is about as high as you're ever going to get. If you're going by position group like I initially phrased it, I'll give you that. Right, I, I think that's probably a fair statement. I just, I don't think there's any team that's a true A. No, right, I, and I, I think I was kind of meaning more just like play on field. But I don't hate where you took it, so we'll we'll keep going with that. So yeah, as a whole, I would, I'll be more generous. I'll go B plus just because of how yeah, good of that's a fine. season Aaron yeah. had. Um, no, you know, Tim Tim Boyle to his credit, you know, every time he came in Human Victory Cigar. Didn't lose a yard. He knelt and took a step forward, so he didn't lose that yard rushing. So Feel the awareness, baby. Feel the awareness, yep. stat awareness, TBLS, Tim Boyle laser show. I'll give it a B plus as a whole. Aaron, obviously A, A plus. He was literally the MVP. 99 overall. Yeah, he's... Yeah. So we'll probably break this down further in other episodes. Right now, just because we want, we're want we keeping it how it is. Mason Crosby, I probably gets another A. Didn't miss a I field agree. goal. Missed a couple extra points, but... Who doesn't? A, at this point. Yeah. Justin? I'll be a little harsher. I'll go B. Make some crosses? just... Yeah. Or maybe B+. B plus. Yeah, I... I don't know. Uh, so are you, just putting, I'm, are you putting, I'm putting those extra mixed points? The love of Mason Crosby here at the end. Yeah. The extra points, uh, you know... I, Kicks a weird ball, kind of gives you that that uh, knuckleball scary feeling. feeling every time he's yeah, and that he's on the that he's on the field. It's like uh, I don't get that oh feeling God. though. At this point, I don't either. Like I get it from just like you know, if you look at what was it, twenty eighteen when he went historically, yeah, yeah. Like he had really two bad years, and really that two bad years was one bad year actually, and then one bad game against Detroit in twenty eighteen. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, but oh, so I get it. Bad. I get well, it. I, Missed like three kicks and two extra points or something. Yeah, yeah that was yeah that was bad. I, I but if we're looking at if that. we're looking at twenty twenty Mason Crosby, excuse me. Like I said, I he made he missed some extra points. I guess I can't give. Him, I'll I'll give it to you, Justin. I think this next one's gonna be the real conversation. J.K. Scott at the punter. Oh God. The best I can go is probably a B minus. B. And I don't I don't know if I think that's necessarily the fair grade. So. J.K. Scott's a really complicated case because the Packers didn't punt a whole lot this year. Like, literally, Aaron yeah, Rodgers threw can't. more touchdowns than he had punts this season. Yeah, you can't really. So, you know, keeping that in mind, so he's not always the freshest off the bench. And, you know, often, you know, if you look at just how good the offense was as a whole, working with a short field, you know, it's not necessarily – it's not his fault that he – that they – you know, you listen to Pat McAfee talk about this outkick the coverage punt crap is just that it's crap from the sense that – you're literally like your your special teams coordinator put has to put you in a position to make a stop, and they just straight up didn't so often. 
And I don't think that's on J.K. Scott. Putting the ball where he did or hanging it too high or too long. Whatever the case was where the, like the coverage team got so out of whack with his kick. But also just really inconsistent on those kicks. Like, I mean, he didn't flip the field often enough in the times where it was down in distance trying to flip the field. Yeah, it's pretty hard to judge that, though, as like you said, just for the fact of he punted, what, like 39 times this year in the regular uh, season? 45, 44. Yeah. Or 46. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's pretty yeah. hard to, ju- to judge someone based on it's literally such a two or three a game. Three oh, yeah. I'm going to give him. I'm going to give him a D just because he's incompetent in trying to, to help his coverage. When when a guy breaks loose and he's got to go for a tackle, he's got to be the worst punter in the league and go for a tackle. He didn't even try. He just got shook and just stood yeah. there. It's just it, not, I'm give not him a good a day D. for the brand. I'll, I'll, I'm actually with Justin on this one. Got, I'm, the guy's got a hell of a leg when he can use it. Sure. He's not consistent. Sure. But you gotta at least go for the tackle. This yeah, guy is just, you know, he's just laying down like a dead dog or something. He didn't what even lay down. Just... That was the thing. Like, he didn't even try to fall down in front of the guy. He just stood there. I'm gonna change my grade. I'm gonna go with C minus. Not a this good day guy. for the brand. Not a good day for the brand. No. I'm trying to think of anything smart ass to say to try to defend him, but I can't. No. <laughs> if if he falls down, like dives, just goes for a little belly just... slide. If you go, he does the slip and slide route. You know, you remember being a kid, take that slip and slide. That's all he has to do. Just a speed bump. Yeah. I'm with Justin this one. I, I don't know if I can go a C plus or a C minus. I might have to go to a D plus. I mean, he is a punter, though. We can't really expect our punters to fall down. People. Fall down. Literally. Put the fucking pads on and become a speed bump or something. Uh, this slip, guy. Slide, slip and slide. Did he play quarterback back in the day? Do we know? I can't or was imagine he a receiver? He have you looked at him? He's like twelve pounds. There's no yeah, he's way. Like, he's probably, just, he like he's probably six fours. That was what did what position did he play in high school? I I will look it up right now. He was literally a kicker in high school. That's all. That's all he did was kick. He punted and kicked. He had so this is per Wikipedia, thirteen of twenty five field goals with a long of fifty nine yards and sixty nine of seventy one extra points. After so extra point attempts in his high school career, bombing field goals in high school. Thirteen of twenty-five. He played for Mullen High School. I don't know where the hell Mullen is. Mullen, how, how Colorado. The, how the hell did he get the? How the hell did he get the Alabama? He kicked a fifty-nine-yard field goal in high school. That's how he got to well, Alabama. I'm with Rams on this one. He got. He you got to remember. He went as a punter. So he he's <sighs> kicking bombs, just bombing it, but. Holy shit! His freshman, he had his longest punt as a freshman. He had seventy yards, seventy-three yards. He averaged forty-eight yards. The guy could kick a fucking ball. Okay, in all fairness, though, if he, he played kicker and punter in high school, yeah, he probably wasn't in the tackling drills. Yeah, well, you're still a probably wasn't. Still... He probably wasn't in the tackling drills. He probably didn't ever get taught how to tackle. But you still like you know. You still gotta lay down in front of the guy, like Justin said, be a speed bump. This is the NFL, man. Yeah, they don't pay him to hit. Okay, let let me even take that one step further. The first time, maybe. Second time, come on. They, they don't pay J.K. Scott to go tackle people. Come on, it's not his job. His job is to kick footballs. He had one. So in his college, his college <laughs> stats here, man. he had one total tackle. And that was his junior year at 2016. He had one tackle. So I'm saying we knew that coming in. 
We knew he could kick bombs, but we knew he couldn't tackle it. That's okay. I gotta say, I gotta say, it didn't end up counting in the NFC uh, division game against the Rams. He did make a tackle, and he was so excited. It was it was awesome. That's what I'm saying. Hey, he, we pay him to but punch just, footballs, not just tackle people. Just the fact that it happened twice, though. It's like, what is that? The Phineas and Ferb uh, Doofenshmirtz meme. If I had a nickel for every time it happened, I'd have 10 cents, which isn't a lot, but it's strange that it happened twice. <laughs> like, like, that's what happened. Like, it happened twice, where he just stood there, watched the guy go for six. We don't pay him to tackle people. That's, all I'm, that's what I'm going to say. All right, and then what was it, Hunter Bradley? That's the name of the long snapper. I guess I give him an A because I don't know his name off the top of my head. I mean, yeah, he had a couple well, bad snaps. Well, like I, I know, like the the extra point that got missed in the championship game wasn't a great snap. But the fact that we don't know his name, give him an A. a. Yeah. All right. So we go from football to basketball, and uh, you guys looked at how our title is, and actually, what's going to be the name of the episode? Heartbreak in basketball. There's the movie Love in Basketball, or Heartbreak in Basketball, because really. Kind of a tough week for uh, the three of us here in the state of basketball. Justin, I, I didn't want to bring it up, um, but you know we come, we have to. We made it an hour, and without bringing it up, uh, season came to an end. You know, good run, hell of a game on Friday night. Yeah, did you get did you get to watch it? I didn't get a chance to. We actually, uh, Rams and I were out to dinner with some friends. We had some other stuff oh, going good. on. We were out to dinner with Megan, Josh, Armando, and Kayla. Shout out them guys. They're gonna shout out on the pod. Um, uh, we awesome. were going to watch it. It kind of was like a last-minute dinner plan. Some uh, some other stuff happened. Every everybody's okay though, you know. Shout out Lucy too, mm-hmm. the Labradoodle making a miraculous recovery. You know, all, all goods on that front. But uh, some stuff happened. Didn't exactly have the vibe to watch the basketball game, so no, we did not watch okay. it. But uh, that's probably more than we needed that's to say. Right. But we had to mention it. So, uh, Justin, why don't you uh, break it down a little bit here for us? Well, you know, it's just uh, it, it was one of those things. We're playing a team that uh, we had talked about it privately before, boys, that the, the team that we lost to Crandon had made it to state uh, two out of the last three years in in their own Division Four, uh, and us getting bumped up to um, D4. We knew it was going to be a big, tall task to take them on and, and kind of go – go to their house and, and see if we could try and pull one out. We and we were damn close. We played a tremendous basketball game. It was neck and neck pretty much the whole way. There was a small period of time to where uh, between the end of the first half and the start of the second half, maybe five minutes or so, they ran it out to 12, but we fought back right away, tied it up, and, and uh, we, we were there with them to the end. We were just not just just not deep enough at, at, at the time that we needed. I thought we, I, you know, I couldn't be any prouder of my girls. They, they played uh, some tremendous basketball with a, with a good basketball team. So I'm going um, to say this real quick. It sounds harsh, but there is such a thing as a good loss. Yeah. As bad know, as it sounds, that sounds like it was a good loss. I mean, that's, and that's okay sometimes. Unfortunately, uh, two of our seven losses this year have come to them and then, it's two more have come to a, a conference opponent that's a rival. And, and so, um, you know, we, we've lost to some good teams. We've beaten some good teams. You know, it's, it's a little disappointing looking at. Just the fact, I, I want to say, trying to cut you off, Justin, but I, I this is kind of what I was saying, I think, a couple episodes back of just ultimately kind of just, you know, it's a damn shame that it had to happen this way. 
considering you shouldn't have been playing them. Right. And if you look at like how that sectional would have all broke down, you know, we were talking about it off air and, you know, just kind of talking to other people about it too. The winner really, I mean, really this sectional is going to go through Crandon and Mishicot. Two teams you should have no business playing. Not when you're Gillette. Gillette, Suring. Yeah. And Grant Suring's still in Division 5, but just ultimately, like I said, it's not your fault. It's not the kids' fault in that position. Just kind of the WIA having to do what they had to do, which, again, I yep. have my opinion on this being bullshit, but just kind of tough to swallow for these what kids. What a shitty of, organization. Yeah. Like, it's just tough to swallow for the kids of being in a game. Yeah, you know, uh, a team that, as, you know, the preseason polls would have indicated and some of those other things that we had talked about, you know, privately here, of just being a team that realistically could have qualified for state, could have made that run, got better as the season went on, kind of found their identity. And then, you know, you have to beat the best to be the best and just kind of tough to swallow for those kids knowing that they shouldn't have been playing in that game. In that in that sense. Like yeah, they, you, they stuck with yeah, them. You, so I'm not saying that they don't deserve to play against them. But just in oh, terms right. of the state championship. But that's not the team they should have been put, right. running up against. It's a, it, you know, you're right. It is a bit of a, t- a tough pill to swallow to, to play up in D4. You, you embrace the challenge, and, and that's what I told the girls. I mean, we have to really embrace this challenge. We have an opportunity to really announce ourselves um, and, and do some great things and, and do things that nobody's really expecting us to do. And they kind of answered. I didn't think that uh, – I, I don't think a lot of people gave us a lot of respect to go up there and, and play uh, Cranon the way we did, but they really answered. Uh, on the flip side, you look at the D5 bracket, and if you're us, you're really licking your chops and wishing you were in that bracket. And I'm disappointed for you, but the season's technically not done yet, is it? No, you know, we – We've got some, some, you know, the nice thing about what the WIA has allowed us to do, and it's not always poor decisions for them, but uh, um, they've allowed us to, to kind of schedule some games with teams that are that are out of the tournament themselves that didn't really necessarily get to fill their whole schedule with 24 games, so... We scheduled a home and home with Sevastopol. I know that I've got a couple seniors that aren't going to come back and and, and play uh, both games. Um, I know my main my main uh, my main post senior Aubrey is not going to come back for the second game. Um, excited for where her path is going. She's going to uh, catch a a college game where she's likely going to sign her scholarship next week. So I'm, I'm excited for her. And, and, you know, part of, part of, part of this is, yeah, it, it's great that we get to continue playing games. And if you have a senior like that, you really don't, you, you want to play it. You want her to play because you only get limited opportunities to do it. But, uh, you know, on the flip side, she's got, she's got a piece of paper on the, on the flip side that says, Hey, come play for us, and we'll make life a little easier for you. So, if she were to get injured or something like that, it'd break my heart. So, I'm glad the second game she's kind of just decided to step away from it for a while. So, yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, tough, tough break there, but uh, all in all, like you said, you know, very positive spin on it. Uh, we go from that to the Wisconsin Badgers, who really just like I put in the 
the agenda for today just kind of meh right now. Like, I mean, they beat the team that they were supposed to in Nebraska. They sh- should have beaten Michigan. Yeah. Kind of fell apart during the sh- down the stretch. At one point, had you know, 15, 14, 12-point leads. Just kind of fall I wanna, apart. I want to give you guys. I want to give you guys a stat from that Michigan game that I was strongly, strongly considering to give my noogie of the week. Do you know how many combined rebounds that Reavers and Potter had in that game? It was zero the whole point. Wow! That the whole game, your two best bigs. In a game against a top five team, you're, you're two seven footers, six ten, six eleven, seven feet, have zero rebounds. How is it impossible? That that that, that can't happen. I mean that that is, I if, if I'm a coach, I, I'm chewing on that and I'm I'm eating that myself. How do my two best post players? Not have one rebound. Like I said, how is it possible? Two of them. Yeah, that's absolutely horrendous. That's horrendous coaching. That's horrendous basketball. That's horrendous team play all the way around. Not knowing how to get your post in the post to rebound the damn basketball. It's just it, it was that is just horrendous. What? Yeah, I I. I can't believe that ended up being the final stat. Like I, I knew at one point I think at halftime it had been that, because I think you put that in our group chat. But that is, there's no words for that. And I mean, it's kind of what we've been talking about. With I know Ramsey has his strong takes on Matt Lafleur. I'm not gonna, we're not gonna really touch base on that right now. But you're beating the teams that you're supposed to, and then you're not beating the teams that you have to play up to. And as I've said, you know, we're kind of getting to that point in college basketball where you really got to turn it on. And these, I, I think it's still possible for them to turn it on. I do too. And, you know, kind of go into March strong and be a team that really can compete in March. But they have to really figure some stuff in, internally. Ex, you know, just play those teams. Play up to their opponent, you know, not kind of fall back on that. And just, I, like I said, I think their best basketball has to be ahead of them. But, yeah, just not great right now. And, you know, like you said, when the shots aren't falling, you got to find other ways to, to get involved in the game. Zero rebounds from your two... You know, upperclassmen. It's not like they're you know underclassmen. Just you know, not you know whatever you know any number of circumstances that could have applied. But yeah, just real disappointing effort on that part. I'll agree with you on that, Justin. So we go. Yeah, from- it's just embarrassing. That's that's just in a a flat out embarrassing stat that cannot happen. I mean, that has to be the first time that's ever happened to Wisconsin under the Greg Gard or Bo Ryan era. And you're talking what now? Twenty years? That's oh my! God. Not in a million years would I have thought that would have happened out of a post player, even defensively, for that not to happen is just ridiculous. Well, it, I, it's just I gotta say, you know, as somebody who played post in in my day, and again, you're not at the same level, but I think this kind of more speaks to that. As you know, six four in high school and. You can almost fall into a rebound if you're six four, you know. Yeah. That you know yeah. in the M and O, and by that comparison, if you're seven foot tall and you should be able in to fall the NCAA out. basketball, like you should be able to fall into a rebound. Basically, like that's absurd. Just, I mean, there's not really, really much more to say about it. It's just like uh, you're not going to win any games. You're not going to win. 
you're not going to beat Nebraska if you if you play that way. Right. Pure and simple. And, and and the way that the way they're playing right now, they deserve what they're getting. They they deserve to lose to the good teams because they ain't playing good basketball and they ain't playing together and, and they ain't being coached well right now. And that's I'm gonna be harsh with it. They aren't. It's that's terrible, terrible basketball. And, and Greg Gard needs to light a fire under his ass and, and turn these guys around. Yeah, and we'll see it. You know, they're they're in action tomorrow. So by the time this episode comes out, we'll. We'll have an idea of you know where we're kind of sitting with things. They play Iowa tomorrow. Uh, Iowa right now favored by a point and a half. So I guess we'll you I mean we'll see. This is a game realistically. It looks like it's in Madison. Should win. You know, not like there's a home court advantage one way or the other, but game. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking right now. E, you you go on monkey knife fight and you take and you take the higher for Iowa on that. Well, usually it's by players because it's, it's daily fantasy sports, which, by the way, i got to bring back up here just for a second. I put down – there was a, a contest tonight with a Marquette and Butler game. It was a – you had to guess more or less for the points on each team um, or for each – you know, for two players, one from each team. It was DJ Carton uh, from Marquette who ended up at uh, – he ended up with eight. His more or less was 13.5. I had taken the over. So I would have lost. Luckily – for me, uh, the player from Butler, Bryce, is it Nzee? Nze, um, he was scheduled, or he had pro- projected 12.5 points. I also had gone more based on his last game against Marquette. Uh, he didn't play with a groin injury tonight. So the nice people at Monkey Knife Fight, they don't just take my money and run with it. They voided the contest because the guy didn't play from injury. Nice. Good people on them. They sent me an email to let me know, so I didn't lose my money just because he didn't play. Even if I would have took less, I probably nice. I probably should have won, but that's neither here nor there. So good for them. And I gotta say, I just learned something new. The awesome logo that Ramsey and I are gonna get tattoos of. Put it on some sort of <clears throat> placement. Placement and Ask contest. G. Yeah, but the monkey's name I learned tonight. Right on the ass cheek. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> ruling it out. But the monkey's name of the awesome Monkey Knife Fight logo, his name is Furious George. Furious George. Fury? That's what uh, the sign on the email was. It was your friend Furious George. But that's friggin' awesome. What a great company. I love uh, being partnered with these guys. It gets better and better every friggin' week. They put money in your pocket. They have a monkey that's tattoo worthy, and his name is Furious George. That's awesome. That's awesome. Love it. So one one last, we'll keep it with the heartbreak in basketball. And we'll keep it short, you know, just kind of, you know, looking at the time here. Milwaukee Bucks suck again. And I know that Ugh. Drew Holiday hasn't been playing here the last couple games due to injury, but the Bucks suck again. And everything we said last week about probably needing a new voice echoes truer and truer. Ramsey hit on something, and I want to kind of touch base on it with what you think, Justin, because I think him and I were kind of on the same page here. Like it or not, Giannis Antetokounmpo is, he's still a limited star. He's growing. He's getting there. He's still a limited star. If you look around the NBA, and I think it's kind of coming more true and true as things kind of, you know, week by week here, I think we're kind of getting to a point where we're being able to actually criticize Giannis because for so long, everybody was so afraid to criticize Giannis. And I get from a standpoint of 
we want him to stay, so we got to be nice. We got to treat him, you know, whatever. And he's he's a budding superstar. He's getting there, but there is so much growth. He's not this invincible like LeBron James. Oh, come and on. LeBron James. He's not even had the Kevin weight Durant. of the world put on him. He's not Kevin. Kevin Durant, Durant had the weight of the world put on him. He's like not Steph Curry. I, no, that's what I'm saying though. Is all these guys? You know, Steph Curry was criticized for so long because he's small. He had the injuries. He really didn't blow up until that last couple years of Mark Jackson. Then Steve Kerr comes along and they start winning rings. So he wasn't on that same par. LeBron James literally had the weight of basketball put on him at 18 years old. Before even that. When he was still in high school yet. 16 on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah. <clears throat> so LeBron or Giannis doesn't get that same pressure. And he doesn't get that same flack back. And I'm not saying he deserves it. But when you, de- when you have Devin Booker saying after the game was last week, Devin Booker says when, because he was, you know, he was seen kind of, you know, kick his own ass after missing some free throws that would have put them up a little bit bigger. That ends up being, I think, a one-point game. One or two-point game. And he says, yeah, you know, how would you feel when Giannis is coming down the court? He's like, I wasn't scared. Nobody's afraid that Giannis is going to hit that shot in crunch time. Nope. And out of a superstar, I, I that's problematic to me. Like, I'm not saying he's the most overpaid player. I think he... He is truly deserving of max money in Green or not Ooh. Green Bay, but Milwaukee. But hey, Eric, who is the most overplayed player? That'd be uh, one Chris Middleton. Woo! I'm fully on board with that, by the way. Mm-mm. I've been on this forever. I, I've for the most part, I've always agreed with you yeah, on this, yeah. haven't I? But yeah. just to the point right now, I don't know if it's a if you needed that change in coaching right now, or if it's maybe having Drew Holiday come back from injury, and that's. Just kind of what needs to happen. He's kind of the spark plug that kind of opens up the offense just enough for them two to kind of do their thing. But was it four straight losses? Now they had one five straight. Now it's four straight, I think. Four straight losses. Like you were saying, though, Giannis. Well, here's a stat for you, Justin. He's a big stat guy. The Bucks currently are 0-9 when trailing going into the third quarter. Fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. You said third. It sounds like third. After the third quarter, they're 0 and 9 winning games after trailing going into the fourth. Because mm-hmm. you can't, Giannis can't shoot the ball. Like, defense picks up a little bit in the fourth quarter. Giannis kind of disappears a little bit. And he's not a guy you want having the ball because nope. he's not going to make free throws or, you know, you can't trust him with free throws. Chris Middleton, you know, well, Justin's right, you know, last week shooting 40%. From three, that's awesome. But when you have to, when he becomes a lockdown or you know locked down guy, because they don't fear Giannis with the ball, and you don't really have that true, like I said, you know, Drew Holiday coming back might be the glue for that. It's gonna help. I mean, yeah, can't but, be much worse, right? Over four. That's true too. But I'm kind of with Ramsey on this. Like I said, you know, defense gets better in the fourth quarter. Don't necessarily want Giannis having the ball in his hand if you're down because you, you can't shoot free throws. And Chris Milliken gets locked up on. Who's taking those shots? Like we said, you know, what was it, Saturday night when I sent that group text, or Friday night when I sent that group text, Bucks lost again. Brooke Lopez shot the most threes when the team wasn't even close. That that can't be happening. Well, you had right. 13 three-pointers shot between your two centers, between Lopez and Portis. I think they made, like, three or four. Yep. You can't yep. be having that. Like, you're not going to win games that's, doing that. That's that's one of the things that I was going to touch on here. 
the 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 Bucks are just drastically miscast. Um, the the gimmick of what Giannis's game being so athletic is starting to wane, and I can tell you that the team that really showed you how to stop Giannis and beat Giannis was the 2019 Raptors in the conference finals. You know, sit back on them, pack three guys, uh, and, and risk getting a defensive three seconds call or whatever it is it, over letting him drive the lane and, and letting him shoot jump shots. That gimmick of what he, you know, ball, head down, going to the basket from the top of the key, that gimmick of his game is gone right now. I want you to know, and, Justin, just to, not to cut you off here, but that is the best word I think I've heard mm-hmm. for Giannis's game. I love that. Like, I just texted Ramsey because we're sitting here, we're actually in studio. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just texted Ramsey, I'm like, like, that is so good. That is such a good description of what he does. Yeah, the, the gimmick of that is gone. Now, that's not to say... On the flip side, that he he's still not a dominating presence inside the key, but he's a guy that needs to be on one side of the court and have the court clear out with his back to the basket. And then once the court clears out, he he does a face up and he's one on one with guy. He wins that game. He wins that game that matchup ninety percent of the time. Okay, ninety percent of the time he's just wildly miscast because of his freakish athletic ability it's going to take a long time for him to learn how to hit jump shots and free throws this isn't a thing that is just going to happen you can't have a guy like he so in my description Giannis has to be playing the five he I mean the Bucks have to learn and tell themselves we have to go small ball and play Giannis in the five and run up and down the floor and use and use Giannis to to the to the maximum of his ability in that space. I would get rid of Brooke Lopez. He's gone. I would I would trade him. You know what? I, I honestly I would even trade him for draft picks right now and, and try to recoup some of what you got because he's really not helping. He's not helping you in, in, in any facet. He's taking up space. And, you, and basically all he is is a seven-foot three-point shooter. He's not helping you on the block. He's not helping you mid-range. He's costing you 13 to $15 million right now. You know, some team that's chasing in the West, trade his ass there and get some draft picks back out of it and, and see what you could do and then live with Porter's coming off the bench and, and, and fill it. Now, on the flip side, as far as, when they locked down uh, Middleton, you're right. Ever since we let Malcolm Brogdon walk in free agency, nobody wants to take the big shot. Giannis, Giannis will take the big shot. He don't want it. He does not want it, and he can't hit it. And he knows he can't hit it, but he's, you pay me $247 million, whatever it is, take these shots. I, you know, I make 30% of them all right. Brogdon? cool, even-tempered type of attitude that will will answer big game, big time shots when they need them. I gotta say, I miss, Wes, I miss Wes Matthews for that reason. Yeah. 
Yep. Not that he was the answer, but he was he a helped. good enough <laughs> defensive player and guy who can step up and hit that shot when needed. I really thought DiVincenzo was going to be that. Right now, he's not. So, just to kind of wrap this up here, state of basketball right now, you know, take the Bucks, take the Badgers, take the Marquette. Pick one team, make it quick. What's your final move? Just in the next week, something you need to see in the next week to consider it a good week for one of these teams. Just pick one. For for me, it's it's the Badgers. The the talent, the the seniority, it's all there. The the way they play basketball, the program wise they play basketball, the coaching is there. They they dial it up and, and they and guard takes a little harder stand with these guys and says, Get your ass in the post and start rebounding the freaking basketball. Things things will happen. Um, I don't know that that happens against Iowa, tremendous basketball team. But, uh, you know, sooner or later it's going to happen. I hope they beat Iowa. I really do. That would, that would, be, a, that would be a season changer. Oh, yeah, definitely. Ramsey? Uh, the Bucks to win a game. That'd be nice. That's all you got? One week? Just win. Win a few games. Okay. I'm, I'm done with that. I think I'm going to echo Justin. I don't know if they beat Iowa tomorrow night or not. I really hope they do. You know, by the time this episode releases, we'll know. But... I think you need to show out in that game. Like Justin said, I think that turns around your season. But you need to have at least a good showing in that game so you can go and say, hey, you know, this is what we build on. This is our turnaround point. It needs to be a turnaround point either way. You either beat Iowa or use that as your launch board. You know, we played this. We, you know, came up short. That's kind of what happened. Before they go on this long winning streak last year, if I'm not mistaken, it was a loss to Iowa. And then it really turned around at that point. So I think this can be a great springboard for them. And I need yep. to see a complete basketball game to kind of go forward. So with that in mind, we wrap the show up as we always do. What are you guys rooting for this week? NASCAR. Justin? Yeah, I'll, I'll go. Uh, there's a sneaky good UFC fight between Curtis Blades and, and, and Derek, my balls is hot, Lewis. On, on the ESPN Plus, six-fight six main card on ESPN Plus. Hit that up. Some good fights, good fighters. Uh, right. I'm glad to see the UFC going strong. And, you know, sad as it is, because I didn't get a chance to mention this heartbreak in basketball, but good note for the Green Bay Phoenix this week. They had another really good weekend of uh, basketball, both men and women's program. Men split their series. Women swept team in UIC, but played some good basketball. Mm-hmm. Women have a chance this weekend. You know, both teams wrap up their regular seasons in the Horizon League. This or the women playing at Wright State, a lot at stake there. So the women can wrap up, potentially be in a spot to win a regular season title, be in a really good position to get one of those top two seeds, which gets an automatic berth in the conference semifinal game um, in the Horizon League tournament. It's a really good position for them if they can go out and play really well against Wright State. You know, because of how the Conference tournaments are working. It's not all based on record. There's gonna there's kind of like a power seating factor too. Really big weekend for Green Bay women and the Green Bay men wrapping things up at UIC to a point where they could potentially get a home quarterfinal game wow. in the first round of the in the conference tournament wow. for Horizon League. So kind of a turnaround considering they had started the, the year losing I think seven straight games or something like that and have now they're at a regular season record of seven fifteen. Really have turned things around, especially, you know, all in conference, as I kind of was pointing out, too. So I'm going to put my energy into the Green Bay Phoenix. And uh, we're going to wrap the show up with that. So by all means, once again, 
Thanks, boys, for joining us. We had another great episode. Episode 10 is in the books. MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Using our Facebook code on our post, we usually put some contests out there. We'll probably come up with something off air in the next couple days. Check those out. Put money in your pocket. Thanks for listening. Share it with a friend. Share it on Facebook. Share on Twitter. We'll have another contest coming up relatively soon. Nothing immediate, but we got some other stuff going on. You have a chance to win some of Justin's money if you go to our Facebook page and guess the middle name at this point of his daughter coming up. We know it's going to be Josie something with a J. Josie. Josie J. Get that all taken care of. Check out the Facebook page. Subscribe to the podcast. Episode 10 in the books. We're Rupert, Wisconsin. Eric, Ramsey, Justin, we are out. Later.